Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. You know, sometimes our, our marriages feel like Lucy and Ricky in that moment. Maybe you, you got here today, but you had some arguments and some fights uh, on the way. So if you're here as a, as a student, it's not just marriage, but a lot of times just relationships. There's just a lot of drama. I guarantee you everybody in this room has some drama with somebody in their life right now. Maybe a parent, maybe friend, inside marriage. Conflict just exists. And so much of the time it feels like we live so much of our life inside this ring inside this ring of conflict. So today we're going to talk about one thing as we close out this Battle of the Sexes series. We're going to talk about how we can leave the ring. You know, if you're here as a, as a married couple and struggling with, with, with conflict, you know, one of the images that I want to kind of leave in your mind today is as, as you're inside the ring battling it out, many times it's the little guys, your kids, that are sitting on the outside of the ring looking in. What middle school students, survey after survey after survey, want more than anything else is their mom and dad to get along. And so you might be asking today to say, you know what, am I abnormal because we have conflict inside our marriage? Am I abnormal because I have conflict with, with friends in my life or with my parents or, or whatever? Is that abnormal? And, and I would say no. Conflict is a part of, of life. Now, the couples who really scare me many times are the couples that when you, when you meet with them, they say, you know, we, we don't ever have any conflict. We, we never fight. Well, the reason that's scary is because a lot of times there's just not any passion. We're two broken people are living their life together and they passionately love each other. There's going to be some conflict. Tommy Nelson said this years ago. It was a Bible study I was in 20 years ago through the Song of Solomon. And I tell you, it has helped me so much as Amy and I have struggled with conflict inside our marriage. And, and he said this, he said, on the other side of conflict is greater intimacy, meaning if right now inside your marriage, you're going through a difficult stretch, you could work, if you could work through this the right way, you could be closer on the other side than where you are right now. That has just offered me hope. Let me say this, this is super important, especially for, for young people here to hear this, for singles to hear this. Why is this message so important? Because inside of marriage... Your spouse has the ability to hurt you more deeply than anybody on planet earth has the ability to hurt you. That's why it's it's important who we marry. It's important who we become in our marriage because there can be some real damage that another person can do. And let me just say it this way. I I could finish up this message today and somebody could come up to me and say, you know what, they didn't like this or they didn't like that. Call me a heretic. You know, just talk about how boring I am on and on and on. And you you could throw some darts at me. You know, your, your jacket didn't match your pants and your boots, whatever. I mean, you could throw some darts. But I'm going to go home. I'm going to sleep tonight. Right? Now, I don't know if that offended you or not, but we're going to talk about how to work through conflict in just a moment, so that's good. But if my wife and I are in conflict, I don't sleep well. That's not that easy. Because, you see, the person that we're married to has the ability to bring about more pain in our life than anybody else ever will. That, that's why this is so, so important. Let, let me just say this today. Inside the next 20 minutes or so, wonder if you could see a drastic change in the relational conflict you have. 
Wonder if inside your marriage, if you're a married couple, wonder if some principles that we could see from God's word would bring about a drastic change inside your marriage. Wonder if you're just a student here today and you have some conflict or some drama with some folks in your life. Wonder if you could see a drastic change in that relationship. Would it be worth it? Well, here's the sermon in the sentence. Here's the thought that I want to give you at the very beginning and we'll close with it today. And hopefully this picture will help you a little bit. Have you ever watched a fight? I'm not talking about in the lunchroom at school. I'm talking about a prize fight. No one ever leaves the ring unless somebody bends the ropes to let them out. And so here's what I want to say today. Fighting ends when the ropes bend. Fighting ends when the ropes bend. And we're going to talk about that today. What would that look like in your life and in my life and the relationships we're in, whether it's marriage or any other relationship? What would it look like for us to bend the ropes and see a change in those relationships? Now, let's look at the first thing. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at three just really quick principles about rope benders. Because no one is going to leave this ring of conflict unless somebody first bends the ropes. And I'm just wondering if you're one of those today who would say, you know what? I want this relational conflict to end. So God, show me what it means to be a rope bender. Well, the first thing we're going to see is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let's take a look at it. It says this, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 3 is so powerful. It It really says this, if you are in Christ, and I'm not assuming that everybody here is, but if you're in Christ, God through the power of his Holy Spirit has blessed you with every spiritual gift in the heavenlies. Like the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. So God has richly blessed you. And then Paul is going to explain what those blessings are in our life. And this is really important for all of our relationships. Look at verse four. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. What's the first thing he says? He says, you are chosen. Now we're not gonna, we're gonna, we're not gonna debate that. We're gonna celebrate that. If you're in Christ, God has chosen you. Does that feel good? Yeah, it sure does to me. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us for adoption to him. So I've been chosen before the foundation of the world. You were on God's mind. Is that helpful? Like, have you ever been in a relationship with somebody if you're married and you think, you know what, I can't believe that he forgot our anniversary. I can't believe that he forgot Valentine's. I can't believe on and on. Can can, can I just tell you something? I I, I can't fix that right now. But what I can tell you is before the foundation of the world, you were on God's mind. I love that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So you were chosen. We're not used to clapping in here, students. Let's don't do it, right? It'll really freak me. No, (laughs) just kidding. Yeah, that's good. That's worth clapping. That was a joke. We were adopted according to the purpose of his will, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption. That word redemption means we've been bought back. We've been purchased with a price through his blood. The price was God's son, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of God's grace. So, so what, is, what is Paul talking about? Well, I think he's talking about the belt. Let me, let me show you a picture here. here. Here's what I mean. You ever seen a, a prize fighter after he wins a championship? What does he get? He gets the belt. This guy just so happens to be wearing a skirt instead of shorts, which is awkward, but he wins the belt. Can I tell you what? You will never bend the ropes until you realize that you've won the belt. 
that you have been chosen, that you have been adopted, that you have been redeemed, forgiven, unconditionally loved. Because here it is, without a healthy identity, we live with insecurity and we live in desperation for another person's love. So if if you don't have the belt, if you don't have the title which God gives us when we come to faith in Christ, but you can have that as a believer but not fully understand it, so you live in insecurity and you're wanting someone else in your life to meet a need that only Jesus can meet, and it causes you to be desperate for that person. It leads to kind of some unhealthy codependent stuff inside a relationship or you're just a slave to that person's opinions of you, thoughts of you. If they're happy with you, you feel great. If they're not, you just are devastated. And it all comes back to this, rope benders, first of all, They know what it means to wear the belt. Knowing we're chosen, you have this in your notes, knowing we're chosen before the foundation of the world, knowing we're adopted and forgiven, relieves, here it is, so much pressure in our marriage. And it relieves so much pressure in every single relationship that we have uh, in our life. So, so rope benders realize they have the championship belt. They know what God thinks about them. I never will forget, early on in our marriage, Amy said to me, I don't need you to be happy. It made me so mad. I was like, yeah, you do, girl. You just don't know it. You know what? She was right. I've shared this so many times. She was right. It was such a hard thing for me as a young 25-year-old guy to understand, but she was right because she understood she had the belt. She understood who she was in Christ, and her identity was secure and it, and, and it has, since then, it has relieved so much pressure in, in our marriage because I realize I can't be everything for her, and that's not my job. God meets these deepest needs in her life. Now I just tell her, hey, any good thing that I bring to you is just icing on the cake. Isn't that right? But here's the deal. We can risk holding the ropes so that whatever relationship we're in, that we can escape the conflict, we can release, we, we can risk holding the ropes when we realize who has a hold on us. You see that? I can, I can risk holding the ropes. I can risk holding the ropes. What do I mean by risk holding the ropes? It's risky to forgive someone, to serve someone, to love someone unconditionally, to be kind to someone. It's risky to go first. And here's my point. You will only do that. You only risk holding the ropes or bending the ropes when you know who has a hold on you. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. This passage says this, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as, as Christ forgave you. This is what it looks like to hold the ropes, to bend the ropes, to be kind. Here, here's a challenge. What would it be like in your marriage to be as kind in your marriage as you were in your courtship or dating? I, I don't know if that helps anybody. I'm working on that personally, to be as kind in my marriage as I was in my courtship. You see, here's here's the key. In this fallen world that we live in, in these broken relationships that we're all tangled up in, in a fallen world with difficult relationships, uh, very few things, Paul David Tripp says, are corrected by inaction. Somebody, in whatever relationship that's broken that you're in right now, somebody has got to risk bending the ropes for things to get better. Forgiveness is another way to bend the ropes. But, but, But immediately, watch, we've talked about this so much. What do you mean to forgive them what they did was so wrong. Here, here's, a, here's an understanding. Forgiveness doesn't mean that what they did was right. Forgiveness means you are releasing them to God. Forgiveness means you are choosing to release them as God has released you in Christ. Did you deserve it when Christ forgave you? 
The answer to that is no. And so when I'm bending the ropes in a relationship and forgiving, I'm forgiving as Christ had forgiven me. And it's risky. In fact, you will never do that unless you really know what God has done. You really know what the championship belt is all about. It's kind of, it has so many applications, this identity thing. Uh, th- this week, I- I'm in a, a coaching relationship. I'm, I'm meeting with a group of guys who are trying to help me as a preacher, and they're coaching me, and I'm watching uh, videos, and, and they're giving me homework assignments, and you're like, so you have people coach you. Yes, I'm tired of you guys falling asleep. I want to get better at this deal. <laughs> and so here, here's what they said this week. My homework assignment this week was watch your previous week's sermon. I have been preaching or teaching God's word for 25 years. I have never once watched a sermon that I've preached. I don't listen to myself. I don't go back online and listen to myself. I, I mean, I've listened to snippets and I think, I don't really talk that way. But you do. And I don't want to do it. And so I told the, the guy, says, do you watch yourself? I said, no. He said, in 25 years, never, not once. I don't want to. And he said, well, that's your assignment this week. So I didn't do it. it got to be later in the week and I'm, I'm working on this sermon and I'm talking about this championship belt saying I, I can risk loving and serving and forgiving I can risk bending the rope because I know what Jesus thinks about me and in that moment it just dawned on me about my homework like it may cause me to feel insecure and feel weird about the way I sound or something stupid that I said I mean usually my boys tell me something stupid I said by the time I get in the car but, I, I, I mean, it's going to be weird and it's going to be hard, but, but here's, I already know what God thinks about me. I already know I'm chosen. I already know I'm adopted. I already know I'm redeemed. I already know I'm unconditionally loved. I'm completely forgiven. I've already got the belt. <laughs> and so I can take a risk. Do you see that? You see how it just plays out in so many ways? So we can risk serving in that way. Now, the, the, the second thing I want us to see today, rope benders, first of all, know they've Receive the belt. Now, we don't earn the belt. We didn't perform for the belt. Please, please, please get that. We have received the belt and all that comes with it in Christ, right? Now, now, number two, rope benders have taken off the gloves. It's finally just time. You know what? Inside relationship. I, I don't know if you're like me. I'm just sick of broken, dysfunctional relationships. We have them on teams that we're in. We have them in workplace. We have them in marriage. We have them in neighborhood associations. I mean, everywhere there's people, here's one thing you will always find, conflict. Every single time, there. And so I, I don't, I don't, I'm done fighting. Like, I think a rope bender has just decided to take off the gloves. At some, some, some level, in order to really to bend the ropes, maybe you can do it with gloves on. It's a whole lot easier if you take them off. But, but what does that mean to take off the gloves? Let me give you a verse, James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's keep this verse up here. I I memorized this in the NIV. It says, let everyone, in NIV, I think it says, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. In my life, this is a hard thing for me to say. In my life, most of my life, I did that in reverse. I have been quick to anger, I have been quick to speak, and I have been very slow to listen. So what it means to be a rope bender, to drop the gloves, for me means what would it look like for me to be quick to listen? Amy and I went through counseling multiple times. That may shock some of you. I'm I'm not embarrassed about it. It was super helpful. 
to sit with another believer and have them help with, with the struggles inside our marriage. And that was pointed out very early that, that I wasn't a good listener. In fact, I was a counterpuncher. Now, I'm not talking physically. I have never physically hit my wife, and that, that's way out of bounds. But I'm a counterpuncher in a sense that when she would say something to me that I didn't like, I was quick to come back with a counterpunch. So our relationship early on was punch-counterpunch with our words. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And so rope benders have to really die to counterpunching. And counterpunching ultimately is a result of being defensive. Like when someone says a hurtful thing to you, if you don't know who you are, you will always retaliate. But if you really know who you are and know what God thinks about you, you don't, you don't always have to retaliate. You can be quick to listen. One of the things that I learned in counseling is when Amy would talk to me or when she would say something to me, I was challenged to repeat it back in my own words. At first, it kind of freaked her out. She's actually listening. Because I'm working on being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let me ask you a question. In any relationship you're in right now where there's difficulty, marriage, the next girlfriend or boyfriend with your parents, whatever, are you willing to lose the round in order to win the battle? That's what someone who's a rope bender does. Instead of trying to win every round, because I know a ton of couples in 25 years of ministry, I know a ton of couples where one of them has won every single round. Anytime there was an issue, they won the round, but they lost their marriage. Inside a relationship, you can win every round inside of a relationship and lose the relationship. You see, rope benders really have, have quit counterpunching, and they've really lost their inner lawyer. I didn't realize that. After I got married, I realized there was a lawyer that sort of had welled up in me. I was, I was Tom Cruise and a few good men. You remember that? You can't handle the truth. Most of you haven't seen that movie. But when, when, when Amy and I were in conflict, my inner Tom Cruise came, came out. But I've realized that a rope bender has lost his inner lawyer, learning to listen. This is so important. Please listen to what we're about to say. Rope benders, when they drop the gloves, what does it mean? They start with self-examination instead of cross-examination. Like most of what we're doing when we're in conflict, and that, that might be Twitter or that might be around your kitchen table in the morning, that we're just cross-examining the other person. They say one thing, we come back and attack them in another area. That's cross-examination. But if you're going to bend the robes, something has to change. Listen to what the Bible says, Psalms 139. This is King David. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. You know what David is saying? Watch this. David is saying, my problems aren't out here. My problems aren't with other people. My problem really is in here. And inside a marriage, if she would just, if she could just understand me, if she could just start kind of meeting my needs in this certain area, if he could ever be quiet and lead spiritually like I want him to lead as a husband and on and on and on, then our marriage would get traction. We always think our relationship problems really come from a struggle in somebody else's life. They don't. Conflict in any area of your life, watch this, any conflict that you have, most of the time is a result of believing that your greatest problem exists outside of us instead of inside of us. When conflict arises, most of the time, 
Conflict is a result of believing that my problem exists outside of me. Meaning, if he would just, and you fill in the blank. If she would just, and you fill in the blank, things would get better. But watch this verse. James chapter 4. This is an amazing verse. So much clarity here. So simple. People say, well, I don't understand the Bible. You can understand this. James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? And then he's going to answer this. Don't they come from your desires that battle where? Within you. So what is it that is causing conflict? It's not something going on out here. It's something that is going on in here. Now, let me give you some application. Can I give you some homework? Can I do that? Because this will work. This will change your relationships. Every one of them. God, I want to stop with the cross-examination. And I'm ready for some self-examination. But how can we move into self-examination? Well, every time we get into the Word... The word will bring some self-examination. It will bring some sin toward the, toward the forefront. If you have some godly friends around you, very few people have enough godly friends to share truth with them. But I'm going to give you a question. This is gold. This question's gold. It's going to take courage. But this is a, If you're ready to start leaving the ring, if you want to leave the ring, you want to be a rope bender, I challenge you to ask this question. Here it is. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Ask it to your spouse. Ask it to a a, a close friend. To your parents. Parents to your kids. Hey, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And listen, please, 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 guys, do not. If she is courageous enough to share truth with you, don't you counterpunch. Don't you counterpunch. Don't come back. Don't be defensive. Take a walk around the block. Pray. But it's like gold because the only way you're going to get better relationally is really find out what is the cause and most of the time it's here. There have been some tough conversations where Amy's had to share something about me that I didn't want to hear. But it was true and our relationship wouldn't be where it is today without doing that. I, I, I preached this message on Thursday night for a Thursday night service and so we had, it was Valentine's Day. I mean, how romantic do you have to be to bring your spouse to a Thursday night Valentine's Day service here at New Vision? We had cupcakes. This big dude out in the foyer, big dude. And he said, hey, Pastor Brady, I'm not asking that question tonight. I said, right on, man. Like, I'm not messing with you. He said, it's Valentine's. I'm not messing anything up. I'm going to ask it tomorrow. I'm not going to ask it tonight. But he was thinking about, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And you might find out what's going on inside here, which could begin to change things inside your relationship. Here we go. Let's finish. Rope benders have already received the championship belt. So they can risk serving. They can risk forgiving. Rope benders have taken off the gloves. They're quick to listen. They're slow to speak. They're not counterpunchers. They're dying to that inner lawyer. They're asking, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And finally, rope benders. Rope benders are opening a door for a new kind of fight. Rope benders are opening a door for a whole new kind of fight. Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, I'm almost done. Let's head for home, but I don't want you to miss this. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's my favorite verse in the New Testament. 
Jesus said, if you would seek first my kingdom, what, what, is, what is the kingdom? It is the rule and reign of God in individuals' lives. It's, it's being involved in seeing lost people come to faith in Christ. Kingdom work is, is being involved in, in believers growing in their relationship with Christ. It is doing something uh, for the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit that's making a difference. That, that's what kingdom work is. And Jesus said, if you'll seek first my kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. And you know what one of those things is? It's your marriage. It's broken and difficult relationships. Lisa Chan said this, Francis Chan's wife. She, she said this. He's a, he's, a, he's a great preacher and communicator of the gospel. She said, many people will tell you to focus on your marriage. Man, that, that's what I heard. Boy, you need to focus. You need to have a date night, Brady. That's what you need to do. If you want a better marriage, you need to have a date night. Nothing wrong with a date night. If you have a date, date night's a great idea. A date night won't save your marriage. Wait, you also, you, you need to learn your wife's love language. And so yeah, I read that book. It's a great book, and, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down on that book. It, it's a great book. It's a, it's a helpful book. It, I don't think it will save your marriage. Many people will tell you to focus on your marriage, to focus on each other. But she said what, what we discovered is that focus on God's mission made our marriage amazing. That's what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here's the truth of the matter. And, and this is my fourth time to preach this message. Every time I get to this point, you can just see the looks on people's faces. They're like, mm, I thought it was going to be something good. Like I, was, I thought it was going to be something that was going to help us. Do something for Jesus, make our marriage better. You can just see it. People just, I mean, people just literally drop their head. But it's where it's at. It's where it's at. Like, you will continue to fight each other. I believe this. You'll continue to fight each other until you decide to fight for each other and alongside each other. I believe that. Have you ever seen two, two fighters at the weigh-in? Let's, let's take a picture of this. Like, those guys know what the other one had for breakfast, I guarantee you, right? They're turning into each other, right? How tough they are. You know what it takes for a great marriage? Turn out. To be involved in kingdom work. You're either going to fight with each other. Some of you will spend the rest of your life inside this ring. Just a cycle of dysfunctional conflict. Or somebody will be bold enough to bend the ropes and say, hey, there's a bigger fight on the outside. Let's fight for each other and let's fight alongside each other. I shared this with my small group on Wednesday night. I kind of float stuff out with them to see how it's going to work and then I decide if I use it. It didn't go well with them, but I'm going for it again. Here's, a, here, here's sort of an image that I have about a believer. Uh, it's from the movie Secondhand Lines. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, two, two wealthy guys are just bored, they just buy everything, and they buy this big yacht and they put it in a pond on their ranch. Well, yachts weren't meant for a pond on the ranch. I think as Christians, we're like battleships. We're like a Navy destroyer. I mean, we've been given the third person of the Trinity to dwell inside of us. Do you believe that? I do. We just saw in Ephesians chapter 1, we've been gifted with every gift in the heavenlies. I mean, God has blessed us. He's endowed us with great gifts to go and do battle to advance the kingdom. Do you believe that? I do. That's what the Bible says. But, but I think in most of our marriages, we're like two Navy destroyers equipped with everything for the battle floating around in a farm pond. Just occasionally stinging into each other, frustrated, disillusioned, discouraged, stuck. We've never left the ring. Seeing your marriage as a mission team will fuel your relationship. 
Let me tell you something while this is so important. A couple things. Turning out and being involved in kingdom work, you know why it's so important? Because it's attractive. You, you want to look attractive. I, I, I've shared this all, all weekend. People looked at me like, like I'm crazy. The most, my wife is beautiful. I love my wife. But you know what? I have images of my wife in my mind. 25 years ago, we were in a bonus room about two miles from here working with students like you guys, teaching the Bible up in a bonus room to high school, middle school, and high school students. I led singing. It was terrible. And then I tried to teach the Bible, and it wasn't much better. And then afterward, we'd just say, whoever wants to hang around, we just want to, we just want to pray for you. And so I still see, I still see at the corner of my eye, I see my new wife with her arm around a 14 or 15-year-old girl just praying. And that's as beautiful as she's ever looked. It's beautiful. I see my wife in a village in Haiti. We hadn't had a shower in three days. No makeup and a t-shirt on. She's got five kids to her, to, this is my right, five kids to the left, five kids to the right, and one on her shoulders and another climbing up her back. She's already given them all of her bottled water, and she's just loving on them in the dirt. She never looked more beautiful to me. You see, we, 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 spend, we spend so much time trying to capture the look. You get in the game, you get the look. It's there. It's beautiful. Here's the other reason why being involved in kingdom work is so important. Watch this. Inside marriage, listen, every couple in here has one thing in common. You've all hurt each other. You've hurt each other, right? Can we just agree with that? Everybody's guilty. We've said things. We've done things. We've not done things we should have done. We're just guilty, right? Can we just go ahead so we feel better? Guilty, guilty, guilty. I have, I'll admit this. I have hurt my wife multiple ways, multiple times. What am I going to do about that? I think there's only two options for me. I can do nothing about it and grow bitter. We can grow bitter together. We can sit back and she can talk about the things that I didn't do that I should have done and it just caused us to get bitter and bitter and bitter. Or I can use my brokenness and my weakness in ministry and God can redeem it. He can help bring healing to somebody else's life and redeem it in our marriage. You will either grow bitter because of your pain or you will leverage your pain and God will use it to redeem it. Listen, there are some of you inside this room, listen to me, you, you've gone through the pain of an affair and it is ripping your guts out. Can you be healed from that? Yes, but a part of your healing will not just be receiving the forgiveness that Jesus wants to give you. It will say, hey, send me another couple that's in the midst of that and we will pour into them because we're not going to grow bitter about this. We want God to use it and redeem it for his glory. And that's what missional living will do. And it's the only option you have, bitterness or redemption. Throughout the years, I've sat with couples in all kinds of pain and substance abuse, pornography, you name it. And I've said this, if you you walk this thing out the right way, God can heal you and he will. A year and a half from now, you can be sitting in a room like this with three or four other couples who are going through the same thing that you're going through right now, and you can tell your story of what God did to redeem you. You want to grow bitter, or you want God to redeem it? It all depends on which fight you're going to fight. 
And so I think what needs to happen is, Lord, we're ready to start looking out. Francis Chan said this, you exist to make disciples. Do you believe that? I mean, at least in the last service, one person said, yeah. It's the last thing Jesus said in the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. I think he's got a point. You exist to make disciples. Chan says your marriage exists to make disciples. You don't want to stand before God at the end of your life with no disciples. Restructure your life. Reprioritize your life. You exist to influence others. Turn out. Let me, let me close with this. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. From that, we said, we're going to turn out, not in, and his righteousness. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me close with this. The other part of, of marriage is, is we got the wrong goal ahead of us. Like a lot of times I'll, I'll meet with couples and I'll say, hey, where's, what's your goal? I know what it is. I'm going to be sitting on the rocking chair with her when I'm 80 watching my grandkids play in the front yard. And she looks at him and says, oh, it's beautiful. I say, it's too small. He looks at me like, you're nuts. I say, it's too small. You're too short-sighted. He said, dude, I'm 35. I'm talking about when I'm 80, sitting on the rocking chair on the front porch, watching my grandkids play alongside my girl. Too small. Too short. If your goal for marriage is the rocking chair, it's the wrong chair. Because one day you're going to stand before the throne. You hear me? You hear me? Believe it or not, one day you're going to stand before his throne. You're going to be prepared. You see, your, your marriage exists. The relationships you have, if you're just, just with your friends, folks that you're in relationship, they, they exist to, to help grow us, to be tools of, of change so that we can look more like Jesus. And, and rope benders say this, I see glimpses of what God is doing in you. Rope benders are encouragers. It excites me. I want to join you in the journey. One of the things that flipped the script for Amy and I is, is, is we've just decided that we're not going to be angry about each other's brokenness anymore. We're going to be sorrowful. We're going to pray for each other. And we want to encourage each other in the brokenness because our goal is not the rocking chair. Our goal is the throne. Michelangelo's most famous sculpture was that of who? David. King David. Michelangelo was asked, how'd you do this amazing work of art? What the detail that you have in King David? It's amazing. Michelangelo said, simple. Got the slab of marble and I just took everything out of that slab that wasn't King David. That's what God's up to in your life right now, whether you realize it or not. If, if you're here as a believer, he wants to take everything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus and strip it away so that all that remains is him. And he's given us marriage as a tool to help us. The problem is, the problem is when you got married, you were ex expecting a David and you got a chunk of marble. There's some work there, but it's worth it. It's a great journey to be on. And rope benders, watch this, lest we get too legalistic, I'm done. Rope benders are willing to celebrate progress, not perfection. Do you see it? You see it? Rope benders are willing to celebrate progress when, when, when growth happens. When you see spiritual fruit, we celebrate that. And it's not perfect. Sometimes in marriage counseling, it'll usually be a, a lady. No, no offense, ladies. 
She'll say, hey, when is he going to, when's he going to grow up? When's he going to get it? She's like, what? Give me a timetable. I said, when he steps into the kingdom. Here and now, we're going to struggle. Does, does it get better? Yeah. But if, but, but if your goal is perfection, frustrated for the rest of your life. Progress? Yeah, Rope Bender says, I see progress. I'll join you in that. But now watch. Well, that's depressing. I hear people. That's so depressing. He, he, he's never going to fully get it. That's so depressing. Don't you have something else for me? Yes. Yes. Rope benders understand this, that when the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Can I tell you that? When the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. When he is not doing everything right, let me tell you something. I know one who is always faithful, and his grace abounds. We rest in that. You're going to have to forgive me in the last 30 seconds if you're married here today and she's sitting beside you or he's sitting beside you. I don't care if you fought all the way here. I want you to grab her hand. If you've got to reach over your kids, is that do it. If you're single and they're single beside you, you know, hey, I don't know, take a stab. <laughs> How'd you guys meet? It was church. Preacher told us to hold hands. I don't know. We've been together ever since. I think God's in it. If they're married, I would say, don't do that. That would be wrong. You there? You're holding up baby girl's hand, are you? I'm asking. All right, yeah. What would it look like for you to start bending the ropes? What would it look like for you to start bending the ropes? Hey, I'm ready to start being a rope bender because nobody gets out of the ring until somebody bends the rope. Is that you? If that's you, squeeze her hand. I won't do it perfectly, but I want to start being a rope bender. Next, Jesus, I have taken my identity from him, from her, and I've put way too much pressure on this marriage. Today, I'm ready to take my identity from you. If you've got a belt for me to wear, I'll put it on. Squeeze that hand. You ready to drop the gloves? You want to fight for the rest of your life with everybody that you're in conflict with? Are you ready to drop the gloves? If you're ready to drop the gloves... What does that look like? You choose self-examination over cross-examination. If that's you, would you squeeze her hand? Or would you squeeze his? I choose self-examination over cross-examination. I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be slow to speak. Hey, watch this. I'm going to be courageous enough to ask this question this afternoon and trust you to be honest. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Help me with that. I can risk hearing what you have because I know what Jesus has said about me. Lastly, still holding. It's time to turn out. We focused on each other. Cycle of conflict after conflict. It's time to turn out. I'm going to lead us in turning out and being involved in something that impacts the kingdom together. Would you squeeze that hand if that's you? Now, by doing that, she's going to remind you of that, by the way. God gifted her to do that. Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you for this moment in time. Lord, we thank you that nothing is impossible for you. We thank you that where the ideal is lacking and it always is, grace abounds. We praise you for that. Lord, teach us to be a rope bender. Thank you for the belt you've given us that we don't deserve. God, teach us to drop the gloves. Teach us to turn out. And God, could these truths that we see from your word impact every relationship we have for your glory and our good. In Christ's name, amen. Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Thank you.